All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business. This is Simone Grogan with your top stories this Tuesday afternoon. Delta Lithium's executive chairman David Flanagan has been ousted from the Explorers board and replaced by Minres boss Chris Ellison after he amassed a substantial stake in the company. The board changes were announced to the market on Tuesday morning, revealing that Chris Ellison would be taking over as non-executive chairman of the Lithium Explorer, with his lithium chief Josh Thurlow stationed as a non-executive director. The surprise boardroom commotion comes about a month after Minres confirmed it had been buying up stock in Delta Lithium via a subsidiary since April. Its stake in the company now sits at 17.44%. Until this morning, former Atlas Iron founder David Flanagan had been Delta's executive chairman, joining the company when it was known as Red Dirt Metals about 12 months ago. During his tenure, the group secured investment from Idemitsu Australia, which had a 15% stake in the company at last count. Mr Ellison said he was pleased to join the board and said that Minres had been watching Delta's Mount Ida and Yinathara exploration assets. In other news, BP appears confident its plans for a renewable fuels biorefinery at Quinana will meet Environment Protection Authority objectives as a period of public comment opens on the proposed project. Documents submitted to the EPA in support of the biorefinery, which is located on the site of the former BP oil refinery, outline plans for a project with an operations phase of 20 years processing renewable feedstocks for use in the production of renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel. The submissions highlight the proposed project's location on a brownfield site in an existing industrial area and its repurposing of existing infrastructure previously used in an oil refinery as environmental advantages. The company said its plan had been well received by stakeholders with advocacy and support for its contributions to the energy transition. The biofuel plant will convert used vegetable oil and oil seed crops grown in the US into renewable fuel with a construction time of 18 months. And lastly, former WA Football Commission Chairman and ex-hospital boss Neil Fong has been appointed Chair of the Troubled Western Australian Institute of Sport, among other board changes. Also appointed to the board are former Deputy Police Commissioner Gary Dryberg, former Senior Public Servant Darren Foster and WA Hockey Boss Fabian Ross. The changes come after nine out of the ten-person strong board recently resigned, leaving only Jennifer McGrath, a Deputy Director General at the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries. The remaining five vacant board positions are expected to be announced in the coming week, according to Sports Minister David Templeman. And that's all from me this afternoon. You can read more on these headlines at businessnews.com.au. Coming up next on the podcast, Jack McGinn and Tom Zonmeyer go through the issues crippling WA's road freight network. Want to reach the 1% of people who make 80% of business decisions in Western Australia? Business leaders and influencers trust Business News for accurate, independent and insightful news, editorial and intelligence across every sector, every day. Place your brand in front of WA's business, political and community decision makers with our integrated platforms encompassing print, digital, podcast and events. Contact our team of experienced account managers to find out more. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash advertise. Welcome back to Our Close of Business. I'm Jack McGinn and today I'm joined by Tom Zomeyer. Tom, how are you? Dandy. Yourself? I'm really well, thanks, mate. 185,000 kilometres. That's the distance that Western Australia's roads span. Around about. Around about? 
It's no, a, jury's out. It's an approximate. Yeah. It's an enormous distance regardless, and it's critical infrastructure for everyone, but particularly for freight operators that are trying to get things from one place to another. That's a subject that you explored in some depth in the most recent edition of the uh, magazine. What's the state of play for freight operators and the roads that they drive on? Uh, not great, to put it simply. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it's Western Australia's got a huge problem with um, land freight in so much the fact that we've only got two sealed roads crossing the border, um, one right up north, um, the, the Victoria Highway, and one right down south in the Euclid. So uh, come summer slash wet season, it, all it takes is a bit of flooding up north and fire down south, and all of a sudden we're, uh, we're thrown into chaos, as we've found out on several occasions in recent years. Absolutely, and we see the impacts of that even in the city. So, you know, removing one of those roads can turn a six-hour journey into something like a 60-hour journey. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we've had a case, obviously, with the Fitzroy Bridge collapsing uh, early this year where the um, freight has had to... De- the detour that freight has had to take is akin to driving from essentially Portugal to Moscow. <laughs> uh, pretty remarkable detour just to get some food and supplies out to some tiny, you know, sub-5,000 population towns out in the East Kimberley there. Yeah, it's, it's incredible when you put it that way. So who did you speak to for this piece? Uh, so I've chatted to a few truckies, um, a few local governments, and there's been some recent work um, from the federal government on an inquiry into um, Australia's freight resilience in the face of increasing natural disasters. So there was some commentary there from Main Roads, which I uh, found very interesting as well. So... Yeah, the state governments and the federal government are very aware of the problem. Mm. Uh, it's not a problem with an easy fix, as anyone can appreciate. Yeah, we're a big state with a sparse population and road building is not cheap. They are working on it. Yeah, if you drive around Perth or you know, a lot of regional places at the moment, you'll see road building projects everywhere. Bunbury. Bunbury, yes, yep. we all know that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to throw the big questions at you. Why aren't our roads keeping pace with our economy? Well, quite simply, they're hugely expensive to build, um, particularly in regional areas. They can be expensive to maintain. Um, and it just, yeah, it requires a collaboration between state, federal and somewhat local government and industry as well to fund those roads, and particularly when it comes to um, a few of those outback potential new links, interstate links, to yep. get them sealed. And one of the other big issues is uh, to date, well, up to this point in time, really, when a road has been destroyed by a flooding or cyclone or fire or whatever it might be, it's the funding that's come through to fix it has been to fix it back to the state that it was. Mm. It hasn't been about improving it to be able to cope with the future natural disasters, which you know, all the science points to are becoming increasingly frequent and more severe. So the fact that we're building things back to a standard that may have worked 20, 30 years ago but it's not going to suffice in 10, 20, 30 years' time uh, means that we're just going to be having to replace these roads more often at greater costs. Right. Yeah, it sounds like a, a real problem. And obviously it's something that is on the government radar given there has been that inquiry into it. Are, are the operators that you spoke to confident of the potential for change? They're confident... Yeah, they are confident that there is change coming. I mean, there are commitments from the state and federal governments to seal the Tanami and the Great Central Road, also known as the Outback Way, which will provide two more links, um, sealed links, into Western Australia. Uh, They're not so confident about the timelines of them. Both of these we're talking about 
next decade before um, we're likely to see those roads sealed. Um, particularly in the case of the Tanami, it's an absolute bone breaker of a road to drive down. Um, you've got, yeah, as one of the truckies who talked to you mentioned, you've got um, corrugations the size of beer cans running up and down the length of it. Yeah, it, it's a 600-odd kilometre drive that can take two or three days at times. Right. It costs, you know, the truckies that are doing that route, it's taking them two, you know, one or two whole days just to fix their trucks after they go every single time they drive that road. And while this doesn't seem like there's a lot there, you know, there are mine sites there. It is a link into Halls Creek and it is potentially that alternative access route should flooding or cyclones cut off the Victoria Highway up north, which is a key, you know, a very key freight link being highway number one. Absolutely. Tom, it's a really interesting exploration of the subject and you've done a great job in your research and, and getting those quotes as well. Um, the corrugation like beer cans bit is, is phenomenal. <laughs> as someone who's driven some of those roads, I can uh, attest that they are awful. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, listeners can find your story online as of today or in the most recent edition of Business News. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insight. Have a great day. You too. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.